listening to another episode of Beckett's Babies, a playwriting podcast. Every week we discuss plays we love, interview theater artists, and share our thoughts on playwriting and theater. We are your hosts, Sarah Cho. And Sam Collier. And in today's episode, we will be discussing the play Heroes of the Fourth Turning by Will Arbery, which has been recommended to us by our friend of the podcast and recurring guest, Sean Lesher. Sean pointed out to us recently that lots of guests have mentioned this play, so we decided it was time to finally read it for ourselves. Finally. (laughs) So um, I guess to just give a little background about this play, Mm -hmm. um, this is from the Playwrights Horizon website for those of you who haven't read it or don't know anything about it. It's a scrupulously hewn drama centering on four alumni of a conservative Catholic college who confront themselves and each other, clashing over theology, politics, and personal responsibility. Um, It takes place at night in Wyoming, right after this party to celebrate their mentor, Gina, who's been newly inducted as president of this college. so it's kind of about this reunion of former classmates. Um, and it, and I think it's important also to note that it was written in 2017, or at least it, it's set in 2017, and it is meant to take place um, right after the Charlottesville riot and right before the solar eclipse. So in that moment... For those of you who remember August of 2017, year one of the Trump presidency. (laughs) So, Sarah. Yes. Should we dive into our first impressions? Yeah. Um, My first impression was um, the dialogue um, was was so... um, like really carried itself in a way mm-hmm. that was like really drawn to it. Um, and gosh, the characters to quote uh, Emily, you know, <laughs> the people stress me out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, and in the kind of in a similar, like I was kind of anticipating um, that level of like starting to feel like the conversation, like the play was not afraid to go to those topics, those difficult discussions um, from the point of view of these, like, four uh, conservative or, ha- or it comes from a conservative background. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was written 2017. And it made me think, of, like, what what a lot has changed, but what also has not changed about their point mm. of views. Um, and so that's something that, came to mind as I was reading it uh yeah yeah I do I that was something I noticed right away too was the dialogue um worked really well to just pull me into the play and pull me forward um Mm -hmm. there were there was a lot of forward momentum I was immediately curious about like Emily's pain that she's talking about and um how all these people knew each other there seemed to be like deep deep histories between them all yeah um so i was curious about how that would all unravel yeah and also 
and this is just like on the page what I noticed and and I'm so curious of your thoughts on this but um the choices of punctuation because I don't know if you noticed but there was some moments like there's yeah. a period and then there was no period like and I was so curious about the choices like how did you read those lines like a running on or yeah like, and I'm also thinking about the ones where there was like a, the character would just cut off in the middle of a word yeah um, so the way I interpreted all of that was that it's meant to happen very quickly that the that they're constantly interrupting each other mm. um, mm-hmm. yeah yeah um yeah so jumping into what we notice and popped um uh, for me uh the this running thing of this generator <laughs> like yeah. this loud shrieking noise that's like like animalistic or like mechanic something is like happening and not knowing why or like and Justin keeps running or is it Kevin keeps running up to him like oh it's a generator so, you know sorry, Justin it's because it's Justin's house yeah right and what did it happen three times or four I think it happened three times and then the fourth time he was like revealing yeah like, this like that's a demon or something like, yeah he was like actually yeah. I lied it's not a generator but what was interesting was that so the first couple of times it happened, there's, there's this terrible shrieking sound. Everyone's like, oh, my God, what is that? And he runs off. He's like, oh, it's the generator. And he runs off stage. And then there was a time when the sound happened and he didn't move. And I'm, like, checking back to see if there was a stage direction where he left. And I realized he's still on stage. And I was like, that's weird. Hmm. And, and, and then we find out later that he lied about the generator and it's not actually a generator it's just like this mysterious <laughs> evil spirit in his well, house yeah and so okay i have to say this when that happened when he said that um there were moments throughout the play where it it kind of removes from being this like realism like realistic play yeah but, like it starts like delving into kind of like, like magical like a little surreal kind of like it just kind of dips in and out of it yeah um and so yeah i but at the end i was like i don't i wasn't sure if that was real or not or he's just like effing with her Mm. um yeah i just wasn't sure but at the same time there's this they're constantly pulling theology like they're the uh like rituals of religion and like you know they're, they're speaking and like Mm. otherly language you know they're kind of like pulling this like um other idea so i don't know that i just i just wasn't sure like where i was like is that real is is he really trying i I almost believe it maybe it is a demon (laughs) like it's listen sarah if you want your play to get nominated for the for the pulitzer prize then I think, the, I think the secret formula is to have a play that's like 98% naturalistic, just people talking to each other, but then you have to have 2% of something really oh weird, gosh. Yes, like okay. a strange sound that I got my pen, I'm writing at 98% natural, 2% not natural, and then like 100% organic, right? Okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Well, okay, so I know we're still in, like, what we noticed and what popped, but I'm going to jump ahead to questions and curiosities. Mm -hmm. Do you think that this mysterious shrieking sound 
is somehow indicating that these characters are like doomed or mm. like their souls are in jeopardy. Cause it definitely feels malevolent, right? Yeah. But I don't know if yeah. it's if it's like of them or something coming for them. Mm. I think okay, well, I would have to look again to see um in those moments like why or when it happens mm. and kind of seeing the moment before. Cause maybe that could Yeah, that's so smart. shed something. Yeah. Um like every time someone says Trump, <laughs> I mean, there could be. I mean, there has to be a pattern, and I, and then maybe I just didn't catch it in my first mm. read. Um, but yeah, something malevolent, something like there. It, I mean, I got this like deep sense that all these characters have um, the just like really unsatisfied. There's something they're like constantly questioning, or like they're yeah. deeply unhappy. And, yeah, and then I think the sound utilizing that sound um, of the generator just amplifies it even more. Yeah, that's so true. Like it kind of makes it external. Yeah, they're all they all have this inner internal turmoil, right? And they're right. doing their best to cover it up with like intellectualizing. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the sound takes that anguish and makes it external, so we can yeah access it. Well, and so for me, what popped was Kevin, this character that like, he's like really gross and like pitiful and he's like vomiting and he's drunk and he's like inappropriate. And I loved him. He was like the only character that I I was like, I don't know what he's going to do next. (laughs) You know, I'm like Mm. kind of um, fascinated by the way he was the one that was asking the hard questions and expressing the doubts that he feels like why mm-hmm. why does being catholic mean we have to be conservative why do those two things go hand in hand and it's almost like just to ask that question is obscene to the other characters like they yeah they don't like they're they're constantly telling him to be quiet um and and so i yeah i was just really drawn to the way his character was working in the in the play to get everybody to like push them um to like destabilize their sense of self assurance and mm-hmm. make them question all these things that they believe to be true hmm was it um kevin that gina offers up this like dean of yes being a dean of admission of admission yes. <laughs> which is kind of interesting moment um yeah and it was interesting because yeah. she like really seemed to like him a lot yeah hmm. um what's another thing here um i really liked teresa Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I was really drawn to her character, especially in the beginning, where she's like, because uh, I guess there, I guess there's like history with her and uh, Kevin. Mm-hmm. And well, so, she has history, I think, with both of them, right? Both of them. Yeah. Like, she slept with Justin, but she like had big conversations with Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> but just the way she was like talking to him, you know, like you're like 
you're not a man. Like a man wouldn't do like you're kind mm-hmm. of like belittling him in that. And yeah. I, I mean I was kind of laughing. I was like, oh my gosh, she's she's kind of um externalizing how I feel right now. <laughs> like she's so cruel. Very cruel. Um and I liked it. I like it. <laughs> I, liked it. I, I don't know what more to say. I liked it. Are you saying she was saying to Kevin the things that you were feeling about Kevin? Like, like um, he he was so whiny, and you were and you were thinking Kevin's so whiny, and then she would say you're so whiny, something like that. Yeah, just calling him out, mm-hmm. and then just that level of assertiveness that yeah, I like. I, li- I just like that. I agree. That was very satisfying. And I was reading that, thinking like I don't know that many plays that have characters like this, mm. um, female characters that are just so. Like, she's an interesting combination of things because she's very religious. She's Catholic. Mm-hmm. Like, she she has, um, like, so much condescension for liberals. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and she's, like, really believes that there's going to be a war. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, she, and she wants men to be, like, strong and hyper masculine and she's like disgusted by kevin and and yet she doesn't fit the stereotype of like christian women characters that i've seen in so many plays that are kind of like nice and polite and Mm -hmm. you know like constantly stroking men's egos i feel like that's so many characters i've seen yeah Yeah. um she's like really brutal (sighs) yeah um personal note like but like I this is just something I'm noticing because of my mom but like there's this like there's a sense of like this never-ending doom Mm. or like there's like a war coming there's being a military you know like you know take stock in your your take your guns and like get ready you know um protect what you have your what you own um and then so to get there with Teresa she, yeah, she's very milit- militant, and then um, this ad- and which kind of adds to this this like otherworldliness about the play, where like with the generator, with the these solar clips getting mm-hmm. where like there's this like sense of a apocalypse coming. <laughs> yeah, um, and so I think that one makes this play theatrical. Like remove all that, and it's kind of like people just having a conversation getting into deep thoughts but you add those elements and it feels like it's so much sinister that's really interesting so it sounds like you're saying the context is is what makes the play work and I, and before we started recording i remember you saying like um something about how you know this play came out in 2017 and already now in 2021 it feels a little out of date Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of wondering, you know, in 10 years, what, like, how will this play read to a 2031 audience? Will it even be doable? Mm. You know, because so much has changed between 2017 right. and now about yeah. like who Trump supporters are and, and yeah. what, what the role they play in this country is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, up until... I think up until the insurrection, like mm. I just kind of 
thought of them almost the same way. Just kind of like, well, they're, they're the opposing party. They mm. have their views. But then seeing the insurrection and like the, the Capitol being taken down, I, I, that's when my views of them changed. Um, and so seeing that, that's in 2021, and then reading back this play, like, I'm, yeah, I, I'm not sure what like the overlap is, mm-hmm. or like, but there is this sense of, um, like, <laughs> like this is the before, and the insurrection is the after. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's a maybe. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I think it's yeah. worth reading this um, quote from Will Arbery that was um, published in a in a story about his play um, in this Dallas-based magazine, D Magazine. He is from Dallas. So he says, I was living in New York and in the year leading up to the election, 2016, and especially once Trump was elected, there was a lot of bewilderment here. And I think just a deep misunderstanding and also desire for understanding amongst the left to know more about how this could have happened And I think just growing up in this hyper-articulate, intellectual, and full of conviction world that I came from, I just felt like I had first and foremost a responsibility to show people that it was a lot more complicated. Mm. So it's interesting to me that he's writing for an audience of New Yorkers about the people he grew up with in Texas and Wyoming. Mm -hmm. Um, Because this play did really well in New York Mm. Um, and it seems to me that especially in 2017 people in New York were really fascinated by this like mysterious block of people living out in Wyoming who voted for Trump and just were hungry to know who are these people and so his play came out at just the right time to kind of ride that wave Mm. Yeah. I'm thinking about this because where was I 2016, 2017? It was the exact same, this like confusion. I'm like, well, how could this happen? Like, Mm. and, and it's so, I think it's so easy when, you know, if you're a Democrat, you're liberal, and you're like living in a major city like LA to like be consoled by the same people, like where there's no, we're all like in this little bubble of like safety net Mm -hmm. (laughs) or like, we're all we're just all confused by this <laughs> we're just relaying the, we're, we're like circulating the same information amongst each other right right um and so to have where and so i guess it's like will arbery having this force i being like well like it's a lot more complicated and and i think the the word that comes to mind is just like the 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 identity politics that comes into play a lot in this yeah world. yeah um and I don't know. I'm still thinking, like, 2021, are we still – do we still know that much more? <laughs> like, right. I mean, I feel like when information has come up, but there, I'm still boggled. Like, how how our viewpoints are so in opposition of each other, both mm-hmm. parties and every party. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, Yeah. This is a very interesting play. He wrote this play like 
during this time specifically. Yeah, and I think one of the things people are really drawn to about this play is that it doesn't, you know, a lot of the narrative um, that I remember from 2016 right after the election and was that, you know, people voted for Trump because, like, they didn't know any better or they were kind of tricked into it mm. um, because he told them he'd bring their jobs back and, like, actually he wasn't going to be able to bring back their jobs, but like somehow they fell for this trick. Yeah. And I, and I think what people are really drawn to about this play is that it, it's not about that. It's not about people being duped. It's about people who have these really strongly held beliefs. And they think that um, like they see right through Trump, but they think he's somehow a necessary part of a, a grand scheme. Hmm. Um to like get the country back on the right track. And and I think it's interesting, you know, it, it talks about in very blunt ways talks about like abortion and you know, LGBT rights and um these kind of hot button issues that were that figured really large into the election, but it doesn't really talk about jobs. You know, it doesn't, a lot of the narrative that we were hearing right after 2016 was like, oh, well, this is about like white collar work or white, you know, blue collar workers who want their coal mining jobs back or whatever. Um, This play is not about that at all. In fact, it feels kind of, um, like it's really missing any class component. Hmm. Well, the impression I got with this play was that so much of their um, beliefs was so rooted in religion. Like, yeah. And yeah. how that shapes their politics. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, how do you change mind of their of a person's mind if they are so um like because having belief like religious beliefs is 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 way deeper and more complex and complicated because it's Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. it's woven in their identity versus like you know women's rights you know just kind of like i'm just i'm just throwing something out but Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. abortion rights it's just where like that's a whole other issue where but a person's like identity it's like it's like it's i don't know it's like the person's the color of their skin the race it's like the religious mm-hmm. beliefs are just so deeply rooted and woven in their identity mm-hmm. that everything they see the world is like through that lens yeah there's no other other way of seeing it um so if they think trump is the messiah and <laughs> he's come to save the world um, yeah that's and they believe like but it's interesting because it yeah. i feel like these characters don't see him as the messiah right like they they talk about like voting for him and then vomiting you know like they have a lot of disdain for him but they mm-hmm. still voted for yeah. him yeah but cuz i think but it's like i think it's again back to the religion it's like is that like in my to my core beliefs like 
this is the right thing to do, even right. though I don't want to do it. Like, right, exactly. My religion's yeah. telling me that this is the thing that I have to do. Yeah. Um, and then so that's that's just what makes us like so complex is that um with our politics and everything is just that um now more than ever this like you know this country was based on like it was rooted on this like religion you know churches and like coming here um and then our even our democracy was like rooted in some sort of place in the bible and then so it kind of like now 20 flash for 2021 our politics and like the way we, you know, how we should do our politics is like straying away from religion. But there are people who are like mm. want to stick to this way of doing things. Yeah, and then we're just creating more. Um, and um, along that, these characters are also it. It kind of came up late in the play, but there, there's a, I think, really important part of this. Um the narrative of this play is that they are attached to this like European ideal of what, like the American story. And mm -hmm. so it's so fascinating to me when Gina, the new president and like the mom comes into the play and, and she's like, actually that's racist, you know? And yeah, then they're, yeah. and then they're like really taken aback because, well, I'm thinking of Teresa in particular, because Teresa seems to really idolize Gina. Mm -hmm. And then they have this conversation where Gina's like, no, I don't believe in all the things you believe. Like that is racist. Um, and, and just kind of teasing apart these different strains of like, white Catholic conservatism and, and where they want to draw lines, like who they want to ally themselves with and who they are afraid to ally yeah. themselves with was really interesting to me. They kind of like pick and choose their yeah, battles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and this is kind of just a very small moment that really <laughs> kind of sums it up. It was like when Teresa um, asked, you know, for um, her like, She's, you know, she's wrote this book and she wants her to read mm. it and write a little blurb and it gives her the manuscript and Gina's like, oh gosh, I don't want all that paper. Can you send me the PDF? <laughs> like, I don't know why this is like a moment where uh, just like in two lines, it's uh, still one foot in this kind of old way of thinking or whatever, but then like PDF so feels so... Um, contemporary like modern mm. <laughs> you know what i mean so it's yeah constant, i don't know so and also you know she's so, never gonna read it yeah <laughs> she's never gonna she's read like it. i'm really busy right um i know i think i i really loved what happened i like dr dramaturgically speaking i loved what happened how how all these characters are like talking about gina the whole time gina 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 and she like raised them with these values and like taught them all these quotes you know, from like famous philosophers and they just clearly like idolize her. And then she comes out on stage and is kind of horrified at what she's created in these young people. Um, and, and, and just seeing their realization that she doesn't admire them, like specifically Teresa, to, watching Teresa realize that Gina does not 
respect her beliefs or admire her, like think she's a great writer. Oh, it just, it's really, I think that's really somehow satisfying in a, in a sad, you know, poignant way. Mm. Um, Do you think, and um, it it seems like it's also part of a larger conversation of like, well, this is what the conservative movement has created. Like these, the, the people who are in power now are the children of hmm. this kind of 40-year deliberate movement yeah. on the right to um, change the narrative. And like this, the, like this is this is where we've ended up because of all of the choices that you know that, that Gina's generation made about who to support. You know, I just realized something like the way I was thinking about Will Arbery's quote, um, mm-hmm. how he's like this kind of like realization of the confusion and he's kind of wanting to um, write a play that sort of uh, show like how more, much more complicated it is. Like he, that kind of that realization that he had mm-hmm. living in New York and like kind of seeing the people, the community that he was around and the confusion. And I kind of feel like I almost had this another that moment. And then I had another moment like this when I realized in like the Asian American community, just like mm-hmm. how many Asians were voted Trump. Like that mm-hmm. was I was like another another moment for me. I was like confused again. I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. you know, Um with a narrative, like, do we like using the narrative of China? Like, Biden's not firm on China. So it's like, it's, I don't know, from 2016, now I'm constantly, constantly baffled. Well, I don't think, I mean, I think that's a play you should write. Oh, someone just heard that and they're like, <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> and they're like, oh man, Sarah Cho's gonna beat me to it. <laughs> oh gosh no thank you i can't i, I don't want to write anything about trump or anything about i this. know you know and the other thing this just made me think about was how like we spent four years where everything we watched or listened to or wrote about or read about was about trump like he just sucked up all the energy in every yeah. sphere and I'm just glad we're no longer living in that time. Yeah. I mean, remember that when Biden won and then the news was kind of just stopped talking about Trump. Mm-hmm, <laughs> was, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my gosh, I have space on my mind to think of other things. It's, yeah. Uh, well, and as soon as he stopped tweeting, too, that made such a yeah, big difference. Yeah. Yeah. His tweets were just controlled every news program out there. Exactly. Uh, well, Okay. If this play had a smell. <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> um, okay, a dead, decaying deer. Oh, God. Ugh. It's the smell of death. And what about you? Um, trying to think of a more pleasant smell. <laughs> um, I would say um, just maybe... I don't know if it's any more pleasant, but I was like, mm, just a smell of beer. Yeah. <laughs> and vomit. Oh, come on. Might take a good thing. 
geez. Okay. Well, listeners, did you read this play too? What are your thoughts? Tell us what you think about it. I'm just, it's so interesting to me that so many people have mentioned this play. Um, Can I, those of you who said it was one of your favorite plays, please tell us why. The title is not what I expected the play to be about. Really? I don't know. The, I don't know. The heroes are the fourth turning. You're like, so, where are the heroes? <laughs> well, yeah. But also it just feels like more like Shakespearean. Like, I don't know what I was thinking going into this. Like I. But I, I think that's how these characters see themselves. They see themselves as like, like part of this epic story. Yeah. yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. When really they're just a bunch of like 20-somethings when, stuck in America in 2017. Like – I think miserable I, like the rest of us like i i, I mean this is just shows listeners this shows you how um i don't follow anything theater related but like i literally have not heard of this play until i sean sent it to us mm. like, i was just like what what is this play? well but also we've had some guests mention it too but yeah i think i read a review of this play in 2017 when it was first done and i was thinking it and it was like these four friends in Wyoming, they're Catholic and they voted for Trump and like here's them having a conversation. And I was like, you know, I live in northern <laughs> Michigan. I feel like I, it, yeah, it's different from Wyoming, but I'm not sure it's going to be anything I don't already hear on a daily basis. I'm just going to go go for a hike in the woods. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just going to. Close my laptop. Put on my snow boots and walk in the woods. If it's deer hunting season, you're probably wearing your orange vest. (laughs) My orange vest. (laughs) Oh man, so funny. All right, uh, let's let's go to glistens. Um, My glisten is a new play, Stains. I mentioned it, uh, but tickets are live <gasps> what 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 it's pay what you can um it's moving arts theater you could go to the website uh or if you were friends on social you could find it on my bio and i hope you can make it to this reading Folks, sarah what's it about um, oh god it's about my mom <laughs> And really. um, uh, why is and it called Stains? It's inspired by um, uh, it's a coming of age story about a young Korean girl who had her period for the first time <laughs> and what that experience was like. And maybe it's kind of inspired by a personal experience. Is that your California voice? <laughs> I don't know. It's my uh, <gasps> stop asking me questions, Sam voice. <laughs> Okay, well, I will be there. I can't wait. Are you really? Oh, yeah. I'm totally going to okay. be there. October 9th, 6 p.m. Okay. It's in your Google Cal. It's in your – it's on your – I'll write it in my <laughs> in my planner with a pen. Planner. Wow. That's important. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's your glisten, Sam? Um, okay, well, I um, last weekend went to this dance performance – on a farm um, here Wait, in what? Colorado. What did you I say, know. a farm? It was on a farm. Th- those aren't real anymore. <laughs> Sarah, come visit me sometime and I'll show you some farms. Wow. Um, yeah, so this 
it was basically like you get there and they take you on a tour like the farmer takes you on a tour of the farm so you see where they have planted some fruit trees and like like we I don't know we walked through the fields and looked at all the crops and there was a rooster crowing in the background um and as we were kind of walking through the fields there were dancers um kind of like at a distance doing Mm. dance among the vegetables and then oh and there was also a puppet show which I forgot to mention there was a short puppet show at the very beginning of the tour and then we came back to our seats I had a very interesting experience because I went alone and so I ended up sitting at this table with a bunch of people who work in a machine shop they're machinists so I just listened to them talk about all these words I had never heard before um that was fascinating. And then we ate this meal that was prepared by a chef from food that was grown on the farm. And then there was like a kind of immersive dance show that happened all around us um, mm. outside. Yeah, it was beautiful. And this company is called Claire Kendall Creative Projects, and they're specifically interested in making work about um, environmental action. Oh, okay. So mm-hmm. hence the farm setting. Wow. So, so it was like a full immersive experience. It was a full immersive experience. Wow. Yeah. Um, hmm. It was cool. A couple of people in the dance program here at CU Boulder were in it, which is how I found out about it. Um, oh, okay. But it was really, it was like, and it was interesting to me how the conversation I was having at my table with the, these machinists became like part of the experience for me. Because that was totally random, you know. But that's just who I happened to sit with. What if there was some sort of a like group where you sit at the table with the the characters of Heroes of the Fourth Turn (laughs) (laughs) eating with them? Wow. Yeah, that sounds like a a play you should write. Like maybe a wedding. And the play ends in fire. (laughs) And nobody got to eat. Oh, Um, my gosh. (laughs) Yep. All right. Well, listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, Apologies on my end if I sound, like, all over the place. (laughs) But this is a really hard play to talk about. Please recommend plays to us. We really like getting these suggestions um, because – I'm pretty sure we would not have read this play if it hadn't been recommended to us. So, you know, get us out of our comfort zone, people. Yeah, get us out of the the Pillar Surprise winning plays and go <laughs> into the, the final list play. Like, <laughs> get us there. Get us there. All right. Bye bye. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Beckett's Babies. If you enjoyed what you heard or learned a thing or two about playwriting, be sure to like, subscribe, and share the podcast with your friends. And if you'd like to reach out and share with us your thoughts on playwriting and theater or maybe be a guest on the show, uh, be sure to visit our website at www.beckettsbabies.com. That's www.beckettsbabies.com, and you can contact us there. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.